in him was life, that life is the light of all mankind. Brothers and sisters, in the light of God's love as it is revealed in Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. This morning I want to talk about our gospel for today from Matthew, but before we do, let's highlight something, a key aspect of our first lesson, actually, from Isaiah. Isaiah is confronting his Israelite friends and brothers and sisters, and he says, why are you guys talking to mediums and spiritists, trying to get, trying to divine direction and advice and what you should do, when you should plant, when you should harvest, what you should do next with your life? You are the people of God. Shouldn't you listen to your God? My hope is that you, Christians, feel hard-pressed to disagree with that. When you're looking for direction in life, when you're looking for advice, when you're looking for how do I take this next step, whatever that next step might be for you, the first place that you go to is not an Instagram account, it's, it's not a friend, it's not a anybody except for your God and what he says in your word, in his word, sorry. Christian parents, we try to drill this into the heads of our kids, right? Read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. Kids, we hope that eventually you get sick of hearing this. It should become second nature. If I need advice, if I need direction, if I need to know my purpose, I should read my Bible. But what do you find when you actually open this book that we're telling you to read so much? Contrary to popular belief, it's not just a rule book, is it? There are commands in here, that's for sure. There's proverbs, there's pieces of advice that are a little bit more direct. But the majority of the Bible is narrative, is true story, is history of God's interactions with people and Jesus and what he did while he walked this earth. It might seem hard to be able to take advice from a story, but really, it's not. What direction do we get for our lives as we look at the story of what Jesus did at this time in his life as recorded by the the Apostle Matthew? Let's read it again. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went ahead and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light, and those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat, and their father followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Jesus is very busy in Matthew chapter 4, isn't he? He's all over the place. 
He's traveling, he's teaching, he's healing. And what starts it all? What prompts Jesus to take this important next step in his ministry? It's the imprisonment of his relative and friend, John the Baptist. Now this is one of those times where we see that the gospel, uh, the Bible, is not written like a New York Times best-selling fiction novel, is it? We don't get the inner workings of Jesus, the emotional turmoil that it must have been to know that your, your cousin, your relative, John the Baptist, is now in prison. And how did he get in prison? It's because he was preaching. He was preaching this message that Jesus took up now, this message of repentance, this message of what God's direction is in Scripture. John the Baptist didn't care who was hearing it. And so he was preaching this message of repentance to someone who is in very, very high political power. And they didn't like to hear that they were sinning. So they throw John in prison. If that were your relative, wouldn't it tear you up to know that your relative was being persecuted for their faith, thrown in jail for what they were saying? But we don't get any of that. We don't get any of Jesus' emotions. But what we do get is his action. Jesus decides that that is the point where he is going to leave small-town, rural Nazareth and go to big-city, urban Capernaum. A big transition. He says, I'm moving on. I'm starting this new phase of my ministry. I'm going to start preaching the gospel, that same message that John the Baptist preached, repent for the kingdom is near, now in a new place. Because as upsetting as it was, to hear that his relative was in prison. And as tough as it is to relocate, especially with such a big cultural shift, Jesus saw his life on earth and his ministry as part of a much, much greater story. A much larger narrative. One that stretches back to before time even began. One that Isaiah, the prophet, some six or seven hundred years before Jesus' earthly life began, prophesied about. Isaiah said that, there, that we are, as people, living in deep darkness. So deep, it's like death. It's like you're at the bottom of a pit, of your grave. But Jesus understood that a light must dawn. A light has to dawn. And he is that light that has dawned, that has dawned upon us, people living in darkness. And how did that light dawn? Yes, it was through his, his, his preaching and his teaching in the synagogues and his healing, but it dawned through a simple message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. What does that even mean? Well, think of it this way. A lighthouse is different than a flashlight. They perform the same function, they shine a light into darkness. They are both extremely helpful in certain situations. But a lighthouse shines its light into the deep darkness of the night sky so that you see where it is. A lighthouse shines its light and points, points your attention to where it is, whereas a flashlight shines its light, points your attention to where it's pointing. Repent is a lighthouse word. It is that light that shines into our darkness to point our attention to where we should be looking. And just like a sailor needs to know where land is so he doesn't crash, but also a sailor who's just survived through the dark, stormy night 
praying, hoping for land, once they see the light of that lighthouse, the joy that fills their heart knowing that they're safe. That's repent. Repent prompts us to look at Christ. Stop paddling through the murky waters of your own sin. Didn't you see you weren't getting anywhere? But why should you look at Christ? Because the kingdom of heaven is right here. Here's your king. Be safe in his embrace. Just like the shore embraces sailors after a long, long night of trying to survive, Jesus is here to rescue you from the darkness of your own hatred and sin. Jesus gives you safety through his love, through his power. But repent is also a flashlight word. The word of God says in the psalm that, that God's word is our light, that God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light for our path. Jesus, the word, the word made flesh, is our light to show us where we are to go, to give us direction in our life. Where, where, what kind of direction and advice do you need? Look at Christ. And you see you are illumined to the heart of God. Why did Jesus make that transition from small town Nazareth to big urban Capernaum? It was because of his compassion for the sinners there. And that compassion has not gone anywhere. The heart of God still beats love and mercy and grace for you just as much as it did when Jesus walked this earth and taught among us. Be illumined to how God feels about you. He loves you and he wants nothing more to see you in heaven with him. That motivates him, that, that guides his decision-making, God's love and grace. Now, with the big questions of life, that might not give you all the answers that you necessarily want. The Bible is not going to tell you whether or not to sell the car, whether or not to downsize the house, if you're single, who to date, or whether to date, if you're married, how to be a good spouse. Well, the Bible has tons to say about that. The Bible's not going to tell you where to go to college or what career to pursue or if you should go to college or if you should pursue this or that kind of career. It's not going to give you the direct answers to your questions, but what it is going to do is teach you how to ask questions. The light of Christ shines on your entire life and changes who you are. You were once lost in darkness, now you are found by the light of Christ. You were once lost in the death of your own sin. You were stuck at the pit of that grave in deep darkness, but Jesus' light has shined on you and into your life. When Jesus lifted up his body on the cross, he lifted you out of the pit of your own condemnation. When Jesus shed his blood on the cross, he shed light into your deep darkness. Now, whatever decision you have before you, whatever direction you're trying to take in your life, you know who you are and who you belong to. You are not the main character of your own story. You are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, bought with the blood of Christ. That's who you are. And that might not give you the direct, concrete answers you may want for your questions, but it does change your entire life. We see that play out in the way Jesus called his disciples. He walks up, first of all, to Peter and Andrew, two brothers who are fishermen. 
And like a supervisor booming down the hallway with a new assignment that slaps on the desk of his employee and says, stop what you're doing, I've got something new for you to do, Jesus interrupts their life. Peter and Andrew were likely very satisfied being fishermen. It's what they knew. It's what they were well practiced in. It was part of their identity. And Jesus comes and he shakes up the whole thing. And he says, stop that and follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. Fish for people, he says. He goes to James and John who are working with their dad. And what if we were Zebedee? What would you think about that? Jesus comes along and takes your two best employees and they're saying, oh, bye, Dad, we'll see you later. And you're standing there with the net. What am I supposed to do with this? This is what Jesus does, doesn't he, through the gospel. He changes our life and calls us into a new way of life. I want to highlight just one little thing about the original language. When Jesus comes up to Peter and Andrew, you see it in the English too, they were fishermen. That's who they were. That was their identity. Jesus changes their identity. Now you are fishers of people. That's what Jesus has done with the gospel. He calls you into a new vocation. But unlike Peter and Andrew, unlike James and John, Jesus doesn't come into your life and call you to leave anything necessarily, but he does change your life. If you are a student. Jesus calls you into a new way to be a student. If you are a spouse, Jesus doesn't call you out of being a spouse. If you're retired, Jesus doesn't call you out of retirement. No, what Jesus' call to discipleship means is now you approach your vocations in life with your new identity as a child of the light. So if you're a student, you raise your hand, you talk to your teacher, you talk to your classmates, and you do your homework as a disciple of Christ. If you're married, you talk to your spouse, you prep dinner, you do whatever you do as a disciple of Christ. If you're retired, you're retired as a disciple of Christ. The vocation doesn't change, but everything about it does. What do disciples of Christ do? Citizens of the kingdom of light, of the kingdom of our God. We share the exact same message Jesus shared in what we say, in the way we act, in the way we think. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The lighthouse word, shining into other people's lives, seeing the way we behave and the way that we talk, seeing that there's a new way to live through Jesus. Repent, that flashlight word. Look at where we are to go. Look at how easy relationship with God is that reconciliation to God has been provided by God. Repent and see Jesus your Savior. Because that heart of the gospel that moved Jesus to respond to the imprisonment of John the Baptist by leaving, Galilee, by leaving Nazareth and turning toward Capernaum it still beats. His heart of compassion that wants to see sinners saved has not changed. But now, it beats through you and me. Amen. Would you please stand?